0: everyone. My name is Dana Peterson, and I'm joined by my co-host Richard Fordyce, and this is the Rural Leaders Podcast. This is a show that honors our unsung heroes who overcome challenge and and adversity to become catalysts of positive change in the communities across rural America. On this show, we'll interview leaders across the spectrum of rural America, sharing seeds of inspiration, hope, and support in their efforts, collectively our efforts, to build creatively engaged and active communities. Richard, it's great to be with you today.
1: Uh, Dana, it is great to be with you. And so we're, we're so excited uh, to, to embark on this podcast, uh, to celebrate rural America. Um, you know, one of the things that we talk about is what we hope this podcast accomplishes is that we inspire folks, that we equip folks, and then we literally have the ability to call to action um, improvements in communities across rural America. You know, I, I'm I'm from rural America. Dana is from rural America, and you know, I think in our lifetimes we have watched. We've watched some of our communities not do as well as as they have in the past, and and so what we want to do, we're going to bring guests on as we continue to go through um, the life of this podcast that are going to share with us things that they've done to really really vitalize and to revitalize and to really make those communities um, uh, something to be very proud of, and you know really if you really think about it dana i think it is rural america is the foundation for the country right um if you if you think about the people that are that are, that are that are raised there that that have values instilled in them there and go on and do great things in other places that foundation that foundational support that those individuals carry um came from rural america and and so anyway, we wanna champion that and talk about the great things that are happening uh, across rural America. I want to just spend a second or two, I am so thrilled to, uh, to be able to co-host with Dana. As I said, Dana comes uh, from a small uh, rural community in North Central Kansas, um, went to Kansas State University. She has, for a number of years, has been someone who is advocating to grow leaders. So a leader growing leaders. Um, She first started working for wheat growers in the state of Kansas. That took her to Washington, DC, where she ultimately became the CEO of the National Association of Wheat Growers. Um, Our paths connected professionally when we worked together in the Trump administration um, at USDA in Washington. So um, Dana, it is such a thrill to do this with you. Um, And I'm very excited about what the future has for the podcast.
0: Well, thank you, Richard. It is an honor to be joined with you uh, in this effort. You know, your uh, history in farming and ranching in Northwest Missouri, your advocacy and love for agriculture and love for rural communities and the people that make them wonderful is just commendable. Um, I'm just, you know, I know you've got a long history of leadership yourself whether that be in soil conservation or in the soybean checkoff or in Farm Bureau. Um, but you also have served in the state of Missouri as the director of agriculture. And of course, the administrator at the Farm Service Agency in Washington, DC, where we got to know each other well. So it is an honor to be with you, Richard, and I'm looking forward to kicking off, off this adventure.
1: It, it is gonna be fun. I'm. I'm really looking forward to it. And you know, the very first podcast has to have the very first guest. And we've got a great one for you today that we're gonna learn more about some of the things that he has undertaken uh, in an effort to really um, really help um, communities, rural communities specifically uh, across the country. Um, our guest is, is, is Lowell Cruz. He's gonna be with us in just a minute, but right now we're gonna take a brief break and hear a little bit of a word from our presenting sponsor.
0: My name is Blake. I received the heart transplant when I was two weeks old. I play defense for the Red Hot Tornadoes. Sometimes my heart starts pounding like faster and faster as I go. I know I have someone else's heart inside me. It makes me feel happy because someone was generous enough to give me a second chance to live. This gift of
1: life was made possible by an organ donor Imagine what you could make possible. Sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. What do you think you're doing, Kevin? I was just gonna drive home. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, there are several warning signs present that you shouldn't be driving. Like hearing voices? Like your text to emoji ratio? Oh man, the selfies. Selfies nailed it. We all have warning signs that let us know that we're probably not okay to drive. Mine is pretending to be your subconscious. Craig, come on,
0: man. Let's put it right home.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rural Leaders Podcast. Uh, As we said in the first segment, we've got a great guest that uh, I'm I'm very excited to have on as our very first guest on the Rural Leaders Podcast. Uh, Lowell is, uh, our our guest is Lowell Cruz. Um, Lowell was, uh, I, I won't say too much, Lowell, because I want you to talk a little bit about your upbringing and what got you to where you are or where you have been. Um, but Lowell was, uh, was born and raised in a small community, rural community in Iowa, and uh, had a lot of opportunity along the way, ultimately was the, um, was the chief administrative officer or the administrator for Heartland Health, uh, which was a regional healthcare system headquartered in St. Joe, Missouri, uh, but had other locations around. And, and Lowell, um, again, my friend, it's great to have you on the, the very first podcast. Uh, Lowell's going to share with us his vision and uh, his his thoughts around an, uh, an organization and an effort called communities of excellence and so with that Lowell will we welcome you into the podcast it's again great to see you and I know everyone's going to be excited to hear what you've got to say this morning well cool. thanks good
2: to be here Richard and uh, Dana so uh, yeah I grew up on a farm in Lake City right outside of Lake City Iowa and My interest generally was in raising hogs, and that's what I thought I was going to be doing with my career. And then I just happened to decide to go to college, and when I got to college, I thought I was going to be a hospital administrator. So I did that for 45 years and retired 12 years ago. So I spent a dozen years in Minneapolis and then seven years in Rochester, New York, and then came to St. Joseph in 1984. So the last assignment was I was here for 25 years as a CEO. And basically came back because we still have our farmland up in Iowa and our parents have left me and my two sisters this happens to many families and, and we wanted to come back and be closer when our parents were still alive so we ended up here and I'm glad we did we serve a large rural area in northwest missouri so that's kept me connected and uh, so anyway good to be back and that's how i really got to meet, meet richard because we live in the same area basically with regard to uh, communities of excellence 2026 uh, and i will tell you that the 2026 is just a number we put on the end of it to coincide with the and 250th anniversary of our country the conversation that drove this idea uh, started in january of 2010. i had just retired my friend rick norling who lives in san diego had just retired he was also a healthcare executive and a minnesota grad with me Uh we together for two or three decades and both of our organizations had become involved in the quality movement and and adopted the Malcolm Baldridge quality framework as our management model. Heartland Health received the Baldridge Award in 2009 and Premier, the organization that Rick headed up received the, the award and the recognition really in 2006. And basically, what Baldridge is is a it's a management leadership governance system that basically helps improve virtually every aspect of an organization came about as a result of the National Quality Act in 1987, when our manufacturing sectors were having uh, competitive issues with Japan and Germany, and Congress was concerned about our inability to compete with these new high quality products that were coming out of Germany and Japan, and got a little bit anxious about that. And so, Ronald Reagan and Malcolm Baldrige, who was then head of commerce, uh began talking about this issue. Malcolm Baldridge was killed in a rodeo accident, by the way, parenthetically. And so as this movement started, they decided to name this whole thing after Malcolm. And one of this, and what they were trying to do is to help organizations improve performance. And they decided to tie this with a, with a presidential recognition program. So there is a presidential Malcolm Baldridge Award to the high-performing organizations, and the intention is to identify these role model organizations and then and then require them to spend a year after they receive it bringing people into their organization teaching people and basically sharing their best practices it's about how we all help each other improve when the when the quality act was started it was just in the for-profit sector large manufacturing small business uh for-profit companies healthcare and education came along in the late 90s when our sector in healthcare and the education sector said, We probably need a piece of that. We need to figure out how to improve our performance as well. Then in 2005, government came. So now there's a sector, all six sectors of our economy are covered by a framework. It's just, it, it, the program rests inside the National Institute of Standards and Technology, inside of commerce, obviously. And in, in NIST, everything is about quality and measurement and what have you. So it's a logical place for it to be. So anyway, we. Uh, I became very interested in quality movement in, in healthcare early in my career. And when there was a chance, in fact, we adopted the Baldrige framework in St. Joseph at Heartland back in uh, probably 93 or 94, before there was uh, a healthcare sector. In, and uh, but we just adopted the language out of manufacturing. You know, you just change the words and it's the same thing. So uh, it just dramatically improved our performance, dramatically. And I just watched. And the thing I always like telling people, Roughly right, the same people were there when we were in the bottom quartile of almost everything and when we were in the top 1%. It was the same people. They just did their work differently. And so, you know, you're, you're sold when you see that. So Rick and I retired, got together in January of 2010 and, and kind of had one of these ain't it awful evenings where we talked about, you know, we look at what's going on in America in terms of health status, educational attainment, uh, job loss. I mean, there are all kinds of issues, and we we said, what could we possibly do about that? As two rec- retired healthcare execs, and uh, and and so Rick made the suggestion. He said, "What if we took that Ball ridge framework that we've seen so effectively work in our and Rick's organization? Premier was a national organization. We had we did uh, we sold products or acquired products for about forty five percent of the nation's hospitals, and used the database." from those hospitals to develop the first pay for the clinical side of it to develop the first pay-for-performance program with CMS. Don Berwick and Rick Morling worked together to do that first pilot and worked exceedingly well in terms of paying for performance uh, in Medicare. And so we had this idea about can you do that? And, and, and the idea was you can take the framework, but in a, in a community, you don't have a CEO. You don't have a, a superintendent you, in a community. You don't have a whatever executive director. So how do you how do you build the leadership structure? How do you bring people together that aren't employed? And so we had to kind of work through all that dynamic. That's why I was so excited to see what what you guys are doing. I mean, you're thinking about the same thing. So we decided to start working on this framework uh, in 2011. Uh, we brought a lot of people together from Ballbridge and the academic communities, and we decided. Our pilot communities would be Northwest Missouri, where I live, and San Diego County where Rick lives. So we thought you know Baldridge works regardless of the size and complexity of the organization, just have to adopt it. So we said let's let's see how it works in rural Northwest Missouri, let's see how it works in, in, in San Diego. you have to aggregate counties in Northwest Missouri, which you know is kind of difficult periodically to get rural counties working together and you have to disaggregate in an urban community like say well, I think San Diego has 3.2 million people, and so they have to divide it into smaller groups. And over the years, we've been building out the framework, adopting the language to where, in 2014, we set Communities of Excellence up as a national not-for-profit organization. We selected five or six communities a year uh, to join us and help teach them how to use the framework. Um, it's a three-year curriculum. We, what we knew is that everybody was working, and so we had to introduce it over time and help them learn how a new method is. So that's what we've been doing. We're now at about 25 communities, somewhere roughly right in there. I believe that Congress is poised to make this the seventh category, eligible for the Baldrige Award. Uh, this, the House has actually already approved it. Senate. It's not quite there yet, so we're still working on that. But again, the idea is you introduce the idea of systems thinking, quality principles in communities. You teach that stuff. And then at some point, if one community becomes the seventh category, a community will be designated as a Baldridge recipient. It's a pull strategy to bring other people serious about improving their circumstance. It, and and then we just basically help each other. That's what Americans do, kind of thing. It's I call it advanced citizenship uh, with a structure around it. And so my particular interest is in how you do this in Northwest Missouri. And we at Northwest Missouri adapted this, and it's been working on it maybe five years now. So they've got an outstanding uh, approach to teaching and motivating rural communities working. We've we struggled with all the issues about competition. Some communities are interested, others aren't. Uh, but we thought, you know, there are certain things you have to think regionally about, and then there are other things you have to act locally. So the principle is we all have to work together on certain things. But individually, the individual community still have to take it. It's just like the students. You know, you can teach everybody. Some students will do better than others in their careers because they, because they do. And so, but we're here to yeah. help everybody succeed. But on my particular interest and on the work we're doing in Northwest Missouri is about rural
0: America. Well, that's wonderful, Lowell. Thank you for explaining that. I think. One of the things that has intrigued me about your initiative is how you say that communities are run by the people who show up. And I can really identify that in my small town in north central Kansas. You know, the, right. the event is organized by the people who come to the committee meeting. And so the people that show up may or may not have the skills or expertise, but they're willing. Um, how does community of excellence really help people who are willing? Yeah, that's the
2: common denominator. They show up and they're willing. Some people show up because they've been elected to the city council. Some people show up because they're the school superintendent or the hospital CEO, and others are just volunteers. And but however, they, whatever reason they showed up, they're valuable to this process. And so you. And the thing that's interesting is everybody speaks a different language. We're we're taught how to lead if we're a school superintendent. We're taught how to lead if we run hospitals or if we're the city manager. And they're slightly different versions of that. And we tend to function in silos. We do. We have a chamber of commerce. We have whatever. Uh, and so the way it the way it helps everything happens in the community, whether it's health status or whether it's educational attainment or housing. All the dots connect in the community. But it's like in any organization, you have departments and service lines or whatever it is. So you, so I think of a community as like, that's the name of our company. Uh, the company is called Bethany, where Richard lives. But Bethany is made up, the company is made up of several departments, the school system, the hospital, whatever. It's just like in our, our heart and health. And so you get all these people together. Now, it is not quite as easy when you don't have somebody that says, okay, this is the direction we're going. So the way we do, what we teach in the curriculum is how you, it's leadership and strategy, a lot of, a lot of stuff around values, a lot of stuff around uh, uh, common common principles of how we lead, collaboration. Collaboration is a skill. We're taught to compete always. Uh, and uh, We're we're taught to compete to be good sports, but we're taught to compete. And when two rural communities start competing for the same whatever, it's hard to get them to collaborate, but they have to collaborate on certain things in rural America to survive, whether it's educational attainment or workforce development or utilities or broadband, all the things that you guys know about. So the, what, how we help them is we help them understand that that's important. And that's why the missions, when I was reading, I went to your website uh, and to looked at what you're trying to do and looked at what we're trying to do. The connection is just very powerful. And if we can help each other succeed in our individual missions, that's the kind of collaboration that we would encourage inside of communities. I don't want us to compete at all. I want us to help each other succeed.
1: You know, when I think of when I think of rural America and think of rural communities, you know, the first thing that kind of comes to mind are these, um, are these amazing, fantastic towns that, um, you know, so I'm from Northwest Missouri and, and the, um, 36 corridor is the, what, what do they call it? The, the Avenue of genius because, um, oh, Ch- Twain and J.C. JCPenney and, um, uh, Walter Cronkite, you know, they all have influence across the across 36 Highway. Yeah. So anyway, when I'm thinking about thinking about rural communities, there is a lot. There's a lot of things there that are that are positives that that people can seize upon and and promote and and do things. But when we talk about communities of excellence. It's not, it doesn't stop at the city limits, correct? We want to, that community is the community. It's the farmers that are out in, um, you know, that are farming outside of town because they're doing business in that local community. they are business people there. Um, and so this idea, you talked about kind of a regional approach and how there has to be collaboration sometimes and competition sometimes. But there also has to be an inclusion of everyone within that community. I think I remember you saying that in the past. Yeah, clearly. The community isn't defined by the city limits. It is a community
2: is whatever a community says is their community, what their uh, shopping patterns are and where their employees come from. So uh, it it varies, but it's up to the community to find who they are and where they're going to focus. We pretty much can say there's a 17-county rural region in Northwest. I'm not including the Buchanan County but the 17 rural counties that's pretty clear uh, but we have to pay attention to the surrounding area as well so um, yeah it's it's up to the community to define their community and then if that's they should put a stake in the ground and say we're going to worry about this geography this community and it, let's say it's by county there's one in in Northwest Missouri we have two pilot two pilots one going in Albany and one going in Clinton County, I believe, the whole county. And so I mean that's good, but we're also working at a in in terms of educating the region at a at a regional level. It's the community, it's the Northwest Missouri Community Foundation that serves as the backbone for this effort. They work in all 18 counties, right? But so their curriculum and their and their process of teaching happens for all of them. And we partner with Extension. University of Missouri to make sure that we're leveraging each other's skills and what we can bring to the table, and the the Department of Agriculture has been very generous in terms of grants along the way to help fund some of this stuff. Um, But no, it's, um, it's at some point the community has to decide what is our community, and then you then you start figuring out what's going on in that. And the first thing we ask communities to do once you decide do an environmental assessment, do a community survey, do a community so that you understand what your current state is then it's kind of a simple though well, it's not a simple process you say your current state here's where we'd like to be ultimately this is our vision and i always tell people think really big be audacious and and then uh, then you go from where you, your current state and every system is perfectly designed to get the results that you get every system a business is a system a school system is a system a community is a system and the system, whether you design it or not, you have a system. And so the quest, every system is perfectly designed to get the results you get. If you like your results, keep doing it. If you need to improve, then better go look at the system first. That's the system's thinking. We have to teach that. And again, we're early into it. You know, we've been at it a few years, learning how to adapt the curriculum and what have you. It's complex stuff. But the heart of all of this is the people that show up are usually the ones with the passion for this and then you just got to get them to basically do the work of how to improve the way they do their do their work.
0: Yeah, showing up and willingness to be a part of the solution, that's a huge part of, of making our rural communities great. So thank you Lowell for joining yeah. uh, with us today. It's a pleasure to to come alongside you in your work and to encourage and inspire people across the country with the work that you're doing um, in your pilot communities. We definitely want to have you back um, to visit more about the impacts that Communities of Excellence is having. Um, if pe- if our listeners want to get a hold of you or, or uh, get in contact with you, um, how would they best do that?
2: Well, uh, we, you can't put this stuff up on the screen, right? So I just said lowell.cruz at heartlandfoundation.org. Heartland Foundation, all one word. And uh, just email me, and I'll get you in touch with uh, Stephanie Norling, our director, or whatever they want to know. There's that there's we do podcasts. In fact, we just did one today about introducing anybody in the country to communities of excellence. We all have a lot of work to do. This, this is a heavy lift for all of us. So I am so glad to know that you exist and your mission and what Ian and his folks are trying
1: to accomplish. And
2: I told Ian, I just, I'm just so glad that we connected. So I'm, thanks, Richard, for calling me.
1: Absolutely. And, and I'll just, uh, again, I'll echo uh, Dana's comments. It was great to have you on um, today to learn more about uh, Communities of Excellence 2026. And as Dana said, uh, I'm sure there'll be an opportunity to have you back on um and i'm sure folks will be contacting you uh interested in what you what you presented to us today um but this is gonna have to do it for our for our chance to visit with you and so we'll take a quick break um learn a little something from our sponsor and then we'll be right back
0: military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. And now United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading at Mm, UnitedThroughReading.org. My lonely days are gone That's why I'm never gonna let you go Never gonna let you go Babe, I'm never gonna let you go No, no, never gonna let you go Here you go. Thank you. Thank you. Never gonna let you go Welcome back, everyone. Um, it's great to be with you again. And just wanted to spend a few moments processing uh, the conversation that we had with Lowell and Richard around communities of excellence. You know, I think uh, one of the takeaways that I have is that communities are built by the people that show up, and that um, those people, regardless of their experience or Uh, their skill set or their expertise really can make a difference. Um, By utilizing a framework like Communities of Excellence, uh, we really can pursue quality and excellence in rural America. Um, As I think about uh, the the leadership opportunities that I've had, and Richard, I know you have had as well, um, growing up there, the excellence pieces around being able to uh, speak the same language as the people around us, Uh, being able to come up with a collaborative strategy that's inclusive, um, but yet know and discern when to be competitive. Um, Some of those qualities that we learned about in this initiative really are aspects that I hope that we explore in this podcast as we hear from stories around the country of of excellence in rural communities. Now, I think we're on on schedule to do a podcast every couple of weeks. And so from here on out, we'll be looking for stories of, of communities who are doing great things, of communities who are inspiring hope um Who are equipping people with the tools and the expertise to uh, to make their rural communities active and engaging and a great place to call home. a great place to build a business or or to put down roots for generations. Like I know, Richard and I have long generations and long roots um, in our rural communities. And so, it's really a great to uh, kick off our podcast with Lowell today. And we do look forward to checking back in with him and communities of excellence to to learn more. Oh,
1: I, I was just gonna say, I think you hit the nail on the head, Dana. Um, and you know, having Lowell as the first guest on the Rule Leaders podcast really set the stage as you drive through rural America, you will, you will encounter communities that are thriving. You will encounter communities that are dynamic. Um, and you sometimes encounter communities that maybe aren't so much. But I know, I know there are people, there are individuals, as you said earlier, um, you know, the, 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 local, the local community is run by the people who show up. There are people who are just looking for some help. And, and, and the help could be the help in the form of training, the help in the form of ideas, um, the help in the form of, this is how we did it, maybe you could use some of this and do it here too. And so as we, again, as we go through this podcast, I think that's gonna be what Dana, you and I are gonna try to do, or um, bring those stories to light and bring those folks to light. So I'll turn it back over to you, Dana, but I just wanted to say that, um, that, that there are some amazing communities right now that are doing some great things and some that are close, they just need a little help.
0: That's right. And hopefully with some inspiration, with some equipping, uh, we really can help rural America thrive. So I invite everyone who's listening to to connect with us, with your local, uh, your podcast station, your podcast app, um, you can connect with us at the TheRuralLeadersPodcast.com, and uh, we look forward to, uh, to you tuning in to the next episode uh, with us. Um, so with that, until then, Richard, um, just hope that we have great leaders across rural America doing wonderful things for our country.